Hello and welcome to Weekend Watchlist, a look at what's screening and streaming brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. I'm Mitchell, he's Slim. Hello. And together we'll dig through what's dropping this weekend, last weekend, recent trends on Letterboxd, and we'll also take a peek at our own watchlist, all under 30 minutes, or I will be put back in the basement where I've been for the last month and I will not be allowed out again. Mitchell, welcome back to the show. You've been on assignment on four faves for the last like month or so. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. I'm excited to be back. I will say I'm feeling a little bit like a third wheel now because you and Mia have just been crushing it. The chemistry has been on point. I feel like I'm stepping into something and maybe I'm not as welcome, but happy happy to be here. We missed you. We missed you a ton over these last few weeks. And it's funny, I just I looked at your face when I said hello differently in my intro and you almost <laughs> did like a triple take. You're like, I wait freaked a minute, out. that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, it's a big week. Maybe the biggest week ever. I don't. Some are saying that. I won't say that, but some are saying that. <laughs> Triangle of Sadness will lead off our discussion this week. Coming out this weekend, Kate Blanchett in Tar and a brand new Hellraiser is hitting Hulu. We don't even have to leave our couch to see a brand new Hellraiser this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, we'll also look back to see what everyone thought of last week's releases, see their averages on Letterboxd, and your own community reviews tagged Weekend Watchlist. And of course, finally, We'll talk about our own shuffled watch lists later in the show. It's been it's been a while since I since I shuffled, but I got it I got it taken care of. I shuffled something over a month ago. I watched it this morning before we recorded. <laughs> the very last minute, I love it. <laughs> well, we'll get into that a bit later. But to start us off, let's get a little palm door talking. We're Ooh. you know kicking off this week with Triangle of Sadness, the new film by director Ruben Ostland on eighty seven thousand watch lists. This film. Premiered at Cannes, won the Palme d'Or, Ruben's second Palme d'Or in like five years, his last movie, The Square, in 2017, won it as well. Triangle Sadness synopsis, models Carl and Yaya are invited for a luxury cruise with a rogues gallery of super rich passengers. At first, all appears Instagrammable, but the cruise ends catastrophically and the group find themselves marooned on a desert island. Slim, how are you feeling about Triangle of Sadness? I've been seeing this trailer a lot. I think I've seen more movies in the last few weeks than I have in the last few months in theaters, so I've seen the trailer a ton, and it looks funny. I mean, the poster I think you mentioned is that woman barfing. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of posters for it, and there's one that's like a woman barfing like confetti and glitter. It is gross to me. I am glad that we have the new change poster feature so I can make it whatever I want and do not have to look at that. <laughs> but uh, I, so I have not seen any of Ruben's films. I'm a Ruben noob, but the trailer looks funny. It makes it look like an ensemble cast. I'm not sure how true that may or may not be based on that synopsis. But I'm excited to see it. What about you? Yeah, I'm. I'm really stoked for it. I um, I'm a huge fan of uh, Force Majeure, his 2014 film, which I think you'd really like. It's like mm. confusing and evolving um, relationships and marriage and like views of your partner and tackling gender conventions around like masculinity and all this different kind of stuff in a really just bizarre setup. It's it's really like darkly comic, but also really tragic in in times. I really like Force Majeure. I have not gotten around to the square. It like it won the Palm Door, but then got kind of mixed-ish reactions when it 
started oh. playing in like you know more general release. So of course I do own it, but I have not. <laughs> <laughs> what don't you own? You have this like vast <laughs> library of movies that may or may not all still be in Saran wrap. I, I have not watched it yet, um, but maybe I'll check it out. I'll check it out this week probably before you know seeing Triangle of Sadness. So I'm I'm really excited for Triangle of Sadness, which is his first movie in English. He's got Woody Harrelson in there, um, which I'm really excited to see Woody Harrelson. And like he feels like somebody who would fit really well um, yeah. with his world. And we've got, I mean, so we haven't seen it yet, but can Tiff, it's been playing a bunch of festivals. So we do have a scattering of letterbox reviews. Flynn, you know, one of our coworkers here at Letterbox, who's man in the social shifts, uh, Flynn's review keeps it simple, just says, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Flynn's review style. Everyone has a different style, and that is definitely a Flynn review, in my opinion. Uh, Joe Reed uh, left review because sometimes the prospect of being subtle about how awful rich people are is enough to make you want to puke. Very true. We'll shout out one more review from Corey Everett, the man behind Cinephile the Card Game, an absolute savage satire of old money, new money, power dynamics, gender roles, and the ridiculous contradictions that we all live with in our modern lives. Funny and biting with a great cast, top to bottom. A little long, but my favorite Oslin film to date and one of my favorites of the year. So Oslin oh fans, get, get hype. Get hype and eat the rich this weekend <laughs> in theaters. Next is Todd Field. Todd Field is back on 40,000 watch lists with his new movie, Tar, limited theaters, uh, the synopsis, the film set in the international world of classical music, centers on Lydia Tarr, widely considered one of the greatest living composer, conductors, and first ever female chief conductor of a major German orchestra. So this has been described as Kate Blanchett's raging bull. What are, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, the hype around Kate Blanchett in this movie is astronomical. It, it definitely feels like one of those things where... Like she, you know, won her second Oscar less than a decade ago, but it feels like she might be coming for her third. Like it might be one of those just undeniable things. So I'm, we're all, we all love Kate Blanche and I'm very excited for it. But I have to say the big thing for me, I'm so stoked for Todd Field to be back. I, mm. I love In the Bedroom, Little Children. I remember seeing Little Children, his last movie, which was like, what, 16 years ago now. I remember seeing it when I was 16 years old uh, at this little tiny art house theater in Dover, Delaware, when I was like, my love for serious cinema was burgeoning. I, me and my friend were like the only people there. And it like blew, like absolutely blew my mind. And like in the bedroom might be even better than it. So like, I can't yeah. believe that this is only the third film that we're getting from Todd Field as a director. But that's that's the thing that I'm like most excited for. Um, and I mean, it's got a great Kate Blanchett, of course, but Nina Haas also is like one of the main characters in it who I love from her work with Christian Petzold in movies like Phoenix and Barbara. I like adore her. So I'm super stoked to see her in a Todd Field movie. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Flynn and Gemma hit the red carpet recently. They actually spoke with the director of this movie Wow. And Gemma put the question to Todd, why Kate? Why Kate Blanchett for this role? Uh, let's hear what Todd had to say. Can we play the clip? Do we have the clip? Let's hear the clip. Well, I mean, the short answer is Kate and I had spoken about doing a film about 10 years ago. Um, uh, I was clavering on a film with, with uh, my friend uh, Joan Didion. And uh, whatever reasons that the film didn't end up happening, but Kate left a distinct impression. Uh, out of those conversations as a collaborator and a potential collaborator. Um, and that's precisely what this role required. Um, and, 
and I'm so very, very lucky. And, and we're all very lucky to see what she's done, I think. You know? I mean, imagine being able to cast Kate Blanchett in your movie. What? What a treat. What a treat that could be. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful words there. Kate Blanchett as Mitchell in the life story of Mitchell Beaupre. Why, Kate, why not? <laughs> why not, Kate? Sounds like Kate, a good are idea. Are you listening, Kate? <laughs> Let's make it happen, Kate. You can do it. Honestly, I know people people have said it's hard to pull off. It's hard to capture the gravitas of Mitchell Beaupre, but I think I think Kate can do it. The red hair on Kate Blanchett <laughs> in Dover, Delaware. Do you believe? <laughs> She's done it. She had red hair in Bandits. If anybody remembers Bandits, the 2001 threesome movie with her and Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis. She, she can pull it off. Oh, my it. God. So we, we have some reviews. Uh, Mia, our dear friend Mia. Shout out to Mia Vicino in the Mia building. Mia Vicino left a review. Tar goes hard. And you know she 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 got the joke in that review. You know she was feeling it when she posted that review. I will quick, quick point, point of a uh, point of correction here. I will say, you know, people, the audience can't see this, but I can see it. We have a Google Doc that we use for these episodes, and I, I have to just say to everybody, Slim did not put the accent over the A in the title for Tar. <laughs> In the Google Doc. You know how much of a pain in the butt it is (laughs) to put accents on letters on a computer? I'm not doing that unless I have to. In the episode when this goes out, it'll be in it. But otherwise, I'm not doing it. (sighs) Just criminal, criminal. (laughs) Senior editor is beside themselves right now. Todd Field is coming for Slim. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's hear what Brian Formo, our editorial producer, man... Man with a golden voice has to say about Tar. One of, I mean, I rarely see Brian standing as hard for a movie as he does for Tar. This is just a little excerpt from his very long letterbox review. Time is the thing. Time is the essential piece of interpretation. You cannot start without me. I start the clock. That's how Lydia Tar describes her profession. It's also the best way to approach the movie. You give yourself over to the amount of time a filmmaker and performer use to present their story. Time is also an era, however, and this era requires more time to thoughtfully explore muddy waters. More time still if the time is not being used to make an easy topical statement and all the time you need if you have a performer like Blanchett playing the notes. Wow, 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 wow. Can you imagine a podcast with the Golden Voice and the Golden Eagle? together doing a podcast together that can i don't know if people can handle that honestly <laughs> it might be it might be too much but what's, it might be too much we'll see, we'll see what we can make happen uh, all right so last major uh release will spotlight is hellraiser hitting hulu directed by david bruckner is on fifteen thousand watch list hitting hulu as we mentioned the synopsis a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box unaware that its purpose is to summon the cenobites a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. Uh, so I'm excited for a new Hellraiser. What's your history with the Hellraiser franchise? The first one is formative for many people, but what about you? Yeah, I weirdly, I think just the look of Pinhead kind of did not like vibe with me. So I kind of avoided Hellraiser for a long time. Sam, my partner who also works with us at Letterboxd, and I watched Hellraiser, the first one, like last year, I think maybe like October vibes. And I I really dug it. It wasn't quite as like iconic for me, informative, maybe if it had been, maybe if I had watched it when I was like a teenager. Um, But yeah, I really dug its vibe of, I mean, there's some nasty stuff in that movie. 
Um, really just, yeah, twisted stuff of that movie. And I know, so I've only seen the first one. I have to watch the second and third for this other podcast I'm doing uh, later this month. So I'm excited Ooh. to check those out because I know other people, like people really go hard for the second one. Um, I've seen people really? say that the second one is like the best one. But yeah, there's like a shit ton of Hellraiser movies, right? How many have you seen? <laughs> I have only seen the first one. And I think there's like 10. Yeah. And I have a friend of mine that had gone through them. And I'm not even sure if they ever, they <laughs> think they just stopped after like five or six. It was a miserable experience. I'm excited. Bless Hulu for having this available on the weekend to watch. I love it when Hulu does a drop like this. Pray. I loved when Prey came out on Hulu, so I'm pretty high on the Hulu train right now for their releases. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I am really excited. We were kind of, yeah, just uh, slashing the the later Hellraisers a little bit that we haven't even seen, but I, <laughs> I am, I am really excited for this one. I'm a big fan of David Bruckner. Like he directed the full horror film The Ritual, which I think people should check out. But also The Night House last year with Rebecca Hall is a movie that like I love. It's one of the rare times where like I watched a horror movie I watched it at like 1 a.m like alone in my home and was walking around my home like after and like thinking that I was seeing like things like in the corner <laughs> and like not not sleeping because of it so I'm really excited to see what he does with this I also Jamie Clayton is playing like uh, the like pin I don't know if it's still called pinhead in this or not but like the main villain in mm-hmm. this um and like that's that's super exciting i love jamie clayton and sense eight like shout out sense eight if people haven't mm-hmm. watched the the netflix series sense eight like that's an awesome show so i'm really excited to see her in this role yeah i'm like i'm stoked to check it out we have some reviews for hellraiser already some folks got access early liz surprisingly good and very gay but not horny or kinky enough question mark the first that's one is very known for being horny um, so maybe not quite in the new one, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. Uh, we got we got a review from Fake Rob Hunter who calls the new Hellraiser a grim and grisly feast for the senses, tying lore both existing and fresh into a nightmarish journey, touching on the high cost of addiction. Mm, so we'll see what everyone thinks of Hellraiser next week. But quick lightning round: Amsterdam from director David O. Russell is on sixty-five thousand watch list. That's hitting theaters. In the 1930s, three friends, a doctor, a nurse, and an attorney witness a murder, become suspects themselves and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in North American history. I've been seeing a trailer for this a ton. It's got a star-studded cast in this movie, uh, but with a director with a long history of abusive behavior on set with actors, especially women, uh, as well as sexual assault allegation by his own niece who fought a police report that didn't lead to charges because there weren't witnesses, and Russell says it was consensual, so... Let's move on to Lyle Lyle Crocodile instead, Mitchell. Yes, happier, happier times, better, better coverage here. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, you know, I I don't go to the movie theaters, so I'm not seeing the trailers that are playing in the movie theaters. I generally don't watch trailers. One trailer that I have watched many times is for Lyle Lyle Crocodile. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a delight. Uh, directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck. It's criminally only on 1.8 thousand watch lists. Let's get those numbers up, people. Listen to this synopsis. When the Prim family moves to New York City, their young son Josh struggles to adapt to his new school and new friends. All of that changes when he discovers Lyle, a singing crocodile. You heard that right, people, who loves baths, <laughs> caviar, and great music. Living in the attic of his new home, the two become fast friends, but when Lyle's existence is threatened by even evil neighbor Mr. Grumps... The Prims must band together with Lyle's charismatic owner, Hector P. Valenti, 
to show the world that family can come from the most unexpected places and there's nothing wrong with a big singing crocodile with an even bigger personality. It is the new Paddington. Everybody's saying it. <laughs> Everybody's excited for it. It's getting that 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. We all know it's coming. Slim, how on a scale of 10 to 10, how excited are you for Lyle Lyle Crocodile? <laughs> This feels like it's hitting in the Mitchell like cinematic universe of uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog. I remember when I first started working at Letterboxd, that was the buzz. <laughs> that was the Lyle Lyle crocodile of then. And now we have a new Lyle. Uh, I saw a poster in theaters a few weeks ago. I sent that into the Letterboxd Slack. So there is certainly buzz from you about there's, this movie. There's I a lot of buzz from that. one specific person. <laughs> So we'll find out next week if that translates to other other buzz from other people. Uh, but let's look back at last week. We had those releases come out. Bros is out and about uh, 3.6 average, so pretty high on Letterboxd right now. Uh, I actually was lucky enough to see that in person with Gemma and Flynn of Letterboxd. Big day, last week, big moment. We traveled into New York City, the Big Apple, um, and we saw bros at the end of our night. I thought bros was okay. It's kind of long. I'm not even sure if it had an editor, to be honest, but it was okay. People, people laughed. I laughed, had a good time. Now, you know, when you were in New York city for your, for your big day, did you happen to see a singing crocodile? Uh, I cannot confirm any visuals of a singing crocodile in New York city. Fair enough. There's probably other animals that scurried in front of my path walking in the, in Manhattan, but no crocodiles. <laughs> also coming out last week was Smile, uh, directed by Parker Finn. You and you and Mia talked about that one, which I it's a 3.2 average on Letterboxd. I'm excited to see the comparisons to It Follows have been definitely um, lighting up a little light bulb for me. We got a review from Caden who said this movie scared TF out of me, but it ultimately was a pretty stupid and pretentious knockoff version of It Follows. My theater being really full made it better, though. So it'll be mm. interesting to see how it plays for me alone <laughs> in my home. And see. Uh, what about you? What, what do you want to spotlight from the last week or the last month since yeah. you haven't been on the show? Yeah, so it, yeah, I, I've got I've got a big uh, kind of cavalcade of things that I've been catching up on over the last month, some new releases uh, hitting things for me. There's definitely some that I watched that I did not care for. Uh, Men, Thor, Love and Thunder, Blonde, Bullet Train, not not really a fan of those. But I'll, yeah, some that I did dig, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, I Sam and I watched that together, and it's like, I feel like it kind of got mismarketed a little bit as like a like horror slasher, but it's really like more of a like dark comedy, like th certainly thriller elements, you know, people get, mm -hmm. there's blood in it, um, but... Like it, it more just plays like a dark comedy for me, and I found it really enjoyable. Um, the reviews shining out Rachel Sennett as like the MVP are not wrong in mm -hmm. any like measure. She is phenomenal in it. Um, I think that I mean she is she's a goddamn star. Yeah, I mean I keep seeing Rachel photos pop up in my feed thanks to the Letterboxd <laughs> social admins and Man Alive. We need more Rachel in our lives. We all that's, need that's more Rachel Sennett in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Blonde. That's sitting at a 2.2 average on Letterboxd right now. Uh, Bianca left a review. Wow, I am angry. There are so many issues I have with this movie. The only positive thing I can say is I do think the acting and performances are good and Anna de Armas looks stunning, but that's where it ends. Everything else is a crime. Justice for Anna de Armas. You know, I mean, we all... We love her. What, the gray man and then blonde. Come on. She's got to get, you know, in better stuff. <laughs> if people haven't seen Deep Water, though, 
Deep Water's great. She's great at it. That's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything's good on Hulu. But check out Deep Water on Hulu. Now, <laughs> <laughs> let's do a quick check in here on the updates on the Letterbox Top 50 of 2022 list compiled and curated by Jax Facts. He's got we got some big big updates. This is this huge. week. We have two films crashing the top ten of the year this week. The the higher placing one. Argentina 1985 enters the list all the way up at number three. Jack says threatening everything everywhere all at once for that number one slot. (laughs) It's got a 4.4 rating, so it would contend for a spot in our all-time top 40 at the moment. It's, you know, from what Jack says, it's a courtroom drama that covers the trial of Argentinian dictators of the 70s and early 80s. Jack says, think the trial of the Chicago 7 meets Judgment at Nuremberg. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival and came out in Argentina on September 29th. Um, so that's probably where like this big surge in the rating mm-hmm. is coming from. It's in theaters right now in the U.S., according to Jack, literally in one cinema on the beach in Santa Monica. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Santa Monica, go check it out. But it comes out <laughs> everywhere on Prime Video on Amazon on October 21st, and it's Argentina's submission to the Oscars. So definitely, I mean, check that. I'm definitely going to be checking that out when it comes out on Prime. That's a, that's pretty high. I mean, big, big, it's going big up the list, folks, for, for our studious listeners that track to see what could be in the year in review. Mm. I mean, you better write this down. Something is brewing <laughs> in the year in review right now. I do know that it stars uh, Ricardo Darren, who's like a huge, uh, who's a huge actor. And I like, he's in Wild Tales. If people have seen that, The Secret in Their Eyes. Um, was like the I think the won the Oscar for best international mm. film in like 2010. He's a, like a phenomenal actor. Um, so that's that's another reason why I'm excited to check it out. Okay, it's time to go to our own watch list. You shuffled six months ago. The last time you were on the show, <laughs> I shuffled last week. I'll just briefly go through my pick. I got Messiah of Evil from the directors of Howard the Duck. It's about a young girl who goes looking for a missing artist father, and when she gets there, she encounters a bunch of strange occurrences and people. Um, one of which being this dude that she has the hots for, very unsettling human being in this movie. But there was one cool scene where a character goes to the movies and there's like a camera kind of like in the front row facing her in the seats. And every time it would kind of rotate to what she was watching on the screen and then her, and every time we'd go back to her, the seats were fuller with these vampiric townspeople. Very cool shot. Um, otherwise, I didn't care for it. Um, so I'm unfortunately still in the L column right now for my shuffling of watch lists. Uh, it's on YouTube though as well. So if folks want to give it a shot, um, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, I do know, I do know a few, like a bunch of friends who are really big fans of that. I haven't checked it out yet. I own it on Blu-ray, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) that's another bootleg shirt idea. I own it on (laughs) Blu-ray, but haven't opened it. I'll definitely watch it at some point. Um, but yeah, so about you know a month and a half, three years, however, who knows what time is ago, I shuffled with Mia, I think, and got Umberto D, um, an Italian neorealist film from Vittoria De Sica. It's uh, definitely not a movie for the faint of heart. Um, I watched it first thing this morning. Uh, not, not a movie that really wakes you up. Um, it's about this old man who is like picketing for better pension uh you know he's not working he's poor he's like struggling to make the back pay on his rent his landlady's trying to kick him out 
he is just trying to like sell his watch and nobody's buying it so that he can like make a rent. He's got this little dog. He's sick. He's got the flu. He goes to the hospital. They're like, hey, you should, if you were younger, you should get your tonsils taken out. But, you know, you're about to die. So who cares? You know, oh we're not going to do that. He gets out of the hospital. His dog, he can't, his dog ran away. He can't find his dog. It's, it's like 90 minutes of the saddest shit you will ever see. It's brutal. I mean, it's pretty good. But <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very depressing. It's, I would never be able to watch this. It's extremely, extremely depressing. It's from the same guy who directed Bicycle Thieves, which I watched like a year ago and is also depressing as hell. This Victoria DeSica, I think he was going through some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you were able to sneak that in at 6 a.m. this morning yeah. <laughs> uh, before just to wake yourself up for the day. Uh, we do have some friends leaving reviews themselves who are shuffling alongside of us. Uh, Ismail left a review for Deep Red. One of Dario Argento's greatest gifts to the world was putting Goblin on film. Incredible music work happening here. Story beats were enjoyable and surprising, but slyly there the entire time. Good stuff and a whole lot of fun. Get the Goblin hype going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to shout out Marcel the Shell. I haven't been able Back. to talk about in a while, but... <laughs> You know, he's still kicking. He is Marcel Lachelle available now on Blu-ray this week from A24. We've got a review from Zachy who says, only watch this on a date if you're ready to talk about your feelings for two plus hours after. Sounds like the (laughs) beginning of a very good, strong, healthy relationship to me. (laughs) Kayla left a Poltergeist review. I love how in the 80s, even the movies that Steven Spielberg just produced felt like a Spielberg movie. This was so fun. I knew I was going to like this movie when I realized the dad was reading a book about Ronald Reagan completely stoned. <laughs> yeah, Poltergeist, Poltergeist is... That's Craig T. Craig T, a vision in that movie. An Adonis. <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful, large, large man, large man, towering yes. figure. <laughs> yes. I want to shout out Georgia's review for Vanilla Sky... A slim, we gotta get it, you know. Gotta if somebody's mentioning Vanilla Sky and tagging it, we can watch this. It's gotta get mentioned for Slim. George's review keeps it simple and says, "Fine, y'all are forgiven for Jerry Maguire." Which I have to get. What's wrong with Jerry Maguire? Georgia, talk to us. What's that wrong movie, with Jerry Maguire? Jerry Maguire holds up. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's a that's a five banger. I think Jerry Maguire. <laughs> Vanilla yeah. Sky, yeah. Anytime my my Vanilla Sky dar was going off when I was sorting through the tags and I saw Georgia. Watch Vanilla Sky. Thank you for watching that. Where's the Vanilla Sky 4K? That Paramount presents. That's a very good question. There's a digital 4K allegedly streaming. (sighs) I'm not sure if it's legit 4K, but there's no 4K release yet on physical. Let's get it up. We need to wake up, Paramount. (laughs) Uh, So let's go to our watch list. Let's shuffle once more before we leave this week. I will filter service by stream only, and then I'm going to sort by shuffle and that first movie on the list is the one i have to watch oh my god the poster on this movie dangerously close 1986 albert pune rebel without a cause or a clue at an elite but uptight college discovers some of his classmates have formed an even more elite clique more or less hell-bent on ridding the school and quite possibly american society of what they deem to be its undesirables this is streaming on Tubi <laughs> and Amazon Prime and Paramount. Um, John Stockwell's in it. This feels like a Tubi movie to me. <laughs> I'm looking at the page for it right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's absolutely a Tubi movie. My friend Chuck gave it four stars. There you go. So 
Justin we'll Wilbert, three it, and a half. Is this Pune's masterpiece? Question mark. My my friend Edith gives it five stars and said the Pune is a god of style. So oh my gosh. Okay. I saw a review from Edith there. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. What'd you get? My film is not on Tubi. It is called The Funeral. It is directed by Juzo Itami, the director of Tampopo, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, the synopsis, when Wabasuke's father-in-law unexpectedly dies, the family goes through a series of random events and occurrences as the funeral unfolds over three days in their home. I hope this is more... I mean, okay, so it's <laughs> the genres are listed as comedy drama. Tampopo is a very fun movie, so I think this is going to... It's not as bleak as... The synopsis sounds. It is on Criterion Channel for people who want to stream it. I do have it on Blu-ray. I will be watching it. Mike, <laughs> yeah, way. I was about to suggest we need to start you filtering through genres before we uh, shuffle the watch <laughs> list in just to make sure we get something. Just give me some comedies. <laughs> I did see that my second my fun. second one, my second one on my watch list was uh, Space Truck, and my shuffle was Space Truckers, the oh Dennis Hopper movie. <laughs> so I almost considered fibbing a little bit and, and going for that one. Maybe I'll watch them both. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh my god, another great poster here. Hold, this definitely looks like a 2V movie just based on that poster. It's Shout Factory put it out on Blu-ray like a month ago, like randomly out of nowhere. I got They gave me the co- a copy of it. Um, I'm very excited to watch it. It is, it is on 2V. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Weekend Watchlist brought to you by The Letterboxd Show. You can follow Mitchell Slim, that's me, and our HQ page on Letterboxd using the links in our episode notes. And if, just if, you have the time, maybe consider rating the podcast on Spotify or leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as it helps spread the word about the show. Thanks to our crew and thanks to Letterboxd member Trent Walton for the theme music, Eyes On. Thanks to Jack for the facts and Sophie Shin for the episode transcript. And thanks to you for listening. We Can Watch This is a Tape Deck production. This, this, this is a Tape Deck podcast.